helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. Thank you for joining us in this episode of the Life Transformation Show. Today's show is titled Money Attachment Disorder. Yes, we're going to be talking about unhealthy attachment to money. Because the position of wealth has over the years been equated with success and happiness, it is hard for many of us to fathom that wealth accumulation can have negative psychological consequences. In today's show, I'll be using the story of the rich young ruler found in Mark 10, verse 17 to 22, to discuss this important topic, money attachment disorder. While this is not the name of an official psychological disorder, you will see as I go through this show today that there are enough grounds to justify this becoming an official mental illness. But before I go into this show today, let me clarify that this show is one, it's not about bashing wealthy people. Many wealthy individuals do not display any symptoms I will mention in this show. Two, You do not have to be wealthy to display the symptoms of money attachment disorder. The unhealthy pursuit of wealth itself can lead a person to manifest these symptoms even if a person is not wealthy. And three, there is nothing wrong with desiring wealth. It is the way people lose control of their lives in the pursuit of wealth that is at the root of the issue. Let me use an analogy of food to drive home this point. Desiring food is a good thing. We can't live without it. But excess food consumption can have detrimental consequences on one's life and health. And so it is with money. The unhealthy pursuit of money can have very serious consequences on a person's life. And this show today is going to identify some of those consequences and then uh, we will tell you some of the things that you can do if you find yourself having any of these consequences. So I'll be reading Mark 10 verse 17 to 22. It's a very short story. So let me uh, just go ahead and read these, these five verses. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? But Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth. Looking at him, 
Jesus showed love to him and said to him, One thing you lack, go and sell all you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But he was deeply dismayed dismayed by these words, and he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. In this narrative, we see this rich young ruler. We we have a, a, a fascinating dynamic that plays out over and over again in the lives of people who have gotten to the pinnacle of success, like this rich young ruler, but find that there is this feeling of emptiness and unhappiness that they just can't seem to shake. Although this is a very short story, the narrative of the rich young ruler paints for us a very vivid word picture that captures the imagination and tugs at our heartstrings. The story starts by telling us that Jesus was setting out on a journey. That is, He's about to leave the town in which he was staying when the wealthy man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked what he needed to do to inherit eternal life. This brief intro to the story raises questions to the inquiring mind. Firstly, the first question that comes to my mind is, why is this man approaching, running after Jesus when he was about to leave the city? Was he too busy to find the time to attend any of Jesus' public preaching events? Or was he like Nicodemus, who came to Jesus by night, too ashamed to be seen in the city with Jesus? The fact that the story tells us that this man is running suggests that there was a sense of urgency to his inquiry. There are only a few other times in the Bible that we read of someone running. And these few other times include the story of Zacchaeus who ran ahead of Jesus so he could climb in a tree to have a good view of Jesus when the crowd gathered around him. And the second, the second example of a story where someone is running is the story of the prodigal son in which the father runs to meet the wayward son who was returning home after squandering his money. Here in this narrative, the rich young ruler running to meet Jesus suggests that there is a dire sense of urgency in his inquiry. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And we can read this story in a sense that this man is asking, what must I do to make it into heaven in the life thereafter? But I think in a deeper sense, this man is saying, teacher, I have enough wealth. I am, I have a good 
position in life, but there is something that is still missing. And I'm trying to fill that void. Teacher, I am coming to you because there is an emptiness inside. And I need you to tell me, what can I do to get rid of this empty feeling? But we see that this man would probably be the envy of people around him. He was young. He was rich. He held a position of prominence. However, despite his riches, there was something lacking that needed to be attended to. And so he made this inquiry to Jesus. And so it is that there are many people in today's society who has attained tremendous fortunes and they still have this empty feeling inside. There is something lacking. There is something missing. And maybe you're listening to my voice this morning and you're, you're one of those people who have gotten to the pinnacle of success. You have the wealth, you have the positions, you have the possessions and the position and everything that is looked on in this life as success. But you're still depressed. You're still anxious. You're still nervous. And there is something that is missing in your life. One of the stories that capture the essence of this missing piece, this emptiness that many successful or wealthy people have, is the story of Marilyn Monroe. She was one of the biggest Hollywood stars of the 20th century. She was said to be worth 27 million in a time when 27 million was a lot of money. That would probably be the equivalent of over 200 million today. But it was said that despite her fortune, she had a very unhappy life. In fact, she was married three times. And in the, the final years of her life was filled with illnesses, personal problems, and even her reputation was beginning to suffer because of things that were happening in her personal life. And all of this unhappiness, despite her millions of dollars and the fame that she had, led to her death at age 36. And so it is still it has still been contested in some sources that she may have actually committed suicide. Your evidence to suggest that her death might have been through suicide. And so we have this very famous, this very wealthy woman that many would look up to, but her life was miserable. Her life was unhappy, and she died at the young age of 36. So Jesus answered to this rich young ruler's question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Implied that the problem was with the wealth that he had. Note Jesus replied, one thing you lack, go and sell all you possess and give to the poor. Well, let me say that there is nowhere else in Scripture where this is given as a prerequisite for making it into the kingdom of God. There was something about this 
young man's attachment to his riches that Jesus was tapping into. This is a personal situation where Jesus is saying, you are unhappy and it has something to do with your attachment to your wealth. And we can see from this, from this man's reaction when Jesus said, go and sell your wealth, that he had an unhealthy attachment. The Bible tells us that he was deeply dismayed. So in other words, this prospect of parting with his wealth had such a psychological effect on him that he was deeply dismayed. This man had an unhealthy attachment to his money. He had money attachment disorder. Do you have money attachment disorder? In this show today, we will be looking at research that shows signs or symptoms of people who have unhealthy attachment to money. Symptoms that could be classified as a kind of disorder. So the first one is that wealth corrupts moral judgment. There are studies that have been done that show that people, for example, who drive luxury cars are four times less likely than those who drive less expensive vehicles to stop and allow pedestrians the right of way to cross. And so it is that there is something about the wealthy people in these vehicles that gave them the sense of of entitlement, the sense that they're better than others on the road, that they don't have to follow the rule. So wealth can corrupt a person's moral judgment. And one sign of money attachment disorder, if, if your money is now leading you to compromise your values and to do things that is outside of your character. Another study suggests that if you merely think about money, that this thinking about money could lead to unethical behavior. They found in this research that by just just telling participants to think about wealth and money, that these participants in the study were more likely to lie or more likely to behave immorally after being exposed to money-related words. Another study shows that, number two, wealth can lead to a lack of empathy. People who are wealthy sometimes tend to lose the sense of concern for their neighbors, the sense that there are others who are suffering and that they could help with the needs of others. In one study, they found that the less affluent individuals are more likely to report feeling compassion towards others. And they also found, for example, that people who are, who are less wealthy could more likely agree with statements such as, I often notice people who need help, whereas wealthy people were less likely to be able to say that they, they can identify with 
that that statement. Michael will be right back. You have been listening to the Life Transformation Show where award-winning psychotherapist Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services has been using the scripture from Mark 10, 17 to 22 to speak on the very interesting topic of money attachment disorder. You can find out more about us at elimcounselingministry.com where you can also make a donation to this Christ-centered ministry. Your donations help us to stay on the air and to provide subsidized counseling to those who can't afford it. Back to Michael. And the third point, the third symptom, is that wealth accumulation can become a form of hoarding. Many people who start out by just wanting to accumulate money for certain goals or certain purposes, they get to a point eventually where they lose sight of why they're accumulating money. And the focus is on accumulating wealth. They have no goal, they have no objective, but it's just, I need more and more and more wealth. And it often gets to a point with these people who have money attachment disorder that they just feel this sense of anxiety if they have to part with any portion of their wealth in the same way that people who hoard goods find it very difficult to part with things that they may never need in their lifetime. People who hoard money get to a point where sometimes they have more than they can spend in many lifetimes, but they still hold on to it and parting with any part of their asset or their the money that they have saved creates great anxiety. As clinicians, when we are treating people who have hoarding disorder, one of the things that we do is to go back and look at the childhood issues that is at the root of the hoarding. You see, the hoarding of goods, for example, is is an attempt by the individuals to meet some unfulfilled psychological need in their life. And I, th- I think the same thing applies to money. Many people who start hoarding money actually gets to this place where they're, they're trying to use money to, to deal with unfulfilled psychological needs. Maybe there is this sense of wanting to belong and they feel that if I just have more and more money, finally I will belong. But money cannot satisfy emotional needs. And many of these people get to this place of futility and actually feel that life isn't worth living anymore because I have earned enough, I have become famous, I have wealth, but still despite my attempt to use money to silence that emotional pain, I am still hurting. And this may be the case of Marilyn Monroe because she had a very troubled childhood. She was from foster home to foster home as a child. And maybe she got to this point in her life with all the wealth and the fame that that with everything that she had, she still could not get over those childhood needs that were not met. And the fourth point that I want to talk about here in, the, in dealing with symptoms of, of money attachment disorder is that earning money 
can become an addiction. Not only can it become a form of hoarding, but the pursuit of money itself, whether or not you are wealthy, just the pursuit of earning money, going after that next dollar, can become what is known as process addiction. Process addiction is a term that is used to describe behavior such as porn addiction. There is no substance that is being ingested by the person, but there is a process that is involved that create a rush, a chemical rush in the person's brain. So for example, a person who is addicted to pornography, just being around that computer and, and clicking Clicking on the, the, the mouse and uh, looking at that screen creates a certain chemical rush where the person is drawn into the process of finding images and trying to satisfy their emotional needs through this addiction. And so it is that the pursuit of money, the earning of money, can become a form of process addiction, where people are now stuck in this process of I need to earn more and more and more. And there is no purpose, there is no intent, there is just this rush that they get, where their family begin to suffer and other parts of their life begins to fall out uh, to begin to suffer and begin to begin to fall out of balance because of this addiction to the pursuit of money and the fifth one that I would like to talk about today is that when a person has a money attachment disorder, children suffer the consequences of their neglect people who have Money attachment disorder sacrificed their children on the altar of riches. Children who grow up in this kind of environment often develop a number of psychological problems. Children are often placed into activities as a way of compensating for their parents not being around. And so research shows that many of these children end up becoming addicts themselves. These children from high-income families often end up becoming uh, alcoholics. They become addicted to all forms of drugs. And uh, as a matter of fact, the research shows that Research shows that people, children in these kind of homes, high income homes are more likely to end up, they're at higher risk for, for, for drug use than children who grow up in low income homes. And these children in high income homes too are more likely to have anxiety, more likely to have depression, and more likely to have eating disorders than children who grow up in low-income homes. And so uh, we can also look at another example that captures this in, in the case of, of Cameron Douglas. And Cameron Douglas is the oldest son of actor Michael Douglas and the grandson of legendary actor Kirk Douglas. And we all know those names very well. But Cameron Douglas lived a very troubled life. 
He battled addiction for most of his life, and he has spent years being in and out of prison. He was arrested on drug offenses at least three times and have served prison times uh, for possession of drugs. So here you have this very wealthy child and grandchild of famous actors, and yet he is have is living a life that is very troubled. Why? Because it's most likely that he was neglected as a child because of the pursuit of wealth and fame of his parents. So, are you able to identify with any of these uh, symptoms or consequences that they have talked about so far? Well, here are a few other signs to consider. Are you prioritizing time to make money over spending time with your family? Have you substituted time with your children with buying them expensive gifts? Are you ignoring the needs of others while amassing wealth that you do not need? Are you amassing or is the amassing of wealth beginning to affect your health? Do you feel anxiety if you part with even a small amount of the large sums you have accumulated? Do you have a clear goal as to why you're accumulating wealth? Or are you just hoarding wealth for no specific reason or need? If you answer yes to any of these questions or identified with any of the symptoms mentioned earlier, then I want you to do the following. Firstly, do what Jesus suggested to this man. Jesus brought this man to a place where he had to consider the emotions he felt when he thought of parting with his money. Jesus didn't necessarily want this man to go and sell everything. He wanted to start a dialogue, a conversation about his unhealthy attachment. What emotions do you have if you consider parting with your wealth? Secondly, consider the underlying emotions that you might be trying to fill by wealth accumulation is it neglect? Is it abandonment? Do you have low self-esteem? There is usually an underlying emotional need or void that you're trying to fill. And thirdly, I would say consider giving with no ulterior motive. Give not to get a tax receipt. Give not to, to be seen as, 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 a, as a great giver, but give out of your heart. What Jesus said to this man was to give to the poor. There is no prestige or recognition that comes from giving to the poor. And so studies have shown that if you do any act of altruism, if you act in selfless ways, that it improves your blood pressure, it increases your self-esteem, there is less incidence of depression, lower stress levels, and even longer life expectancy. So consider giving. It's good for your health. We have quickly come to the end of today's show. I want to thank you for joining us in this episode of the Life Transformation Show. And I want to remind you that we're on the air every Monday morning at 9.30 a.m. If you are 
listening to this show via our YouTube channel, remember to subscribe so you can be notified of our weekly shows. If you're listening on air and have missed a part of this show and want to hear it, you can do so via our YouTube channel. Just search Elim Counseling Services. If you would like counseling for any mental health or couple-related issue, we can be reached through our website, elimcounselingministry.com. We also want to remind you that we are on the we are not for profit organization that counts on your financial support to continue providing our unique Christian psychotherapy brand of counseling and to continue to produce Bible-based mental health podcasts such as this one. Until next time, this is your host, Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services, praying that God would bless you in all your relationships and keep you sound in mind and pure in heart. Thank you.